Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. The Pharisees and the Herodians agreed on very little. About the only thing they did agree on is that neither of them cared for this Jesus fellow. So in the vein of the enemy of my enemy is my friend, they go to Jesus and pose him this question with the intent to entrap him in front of the crowd. Teacher, we know that you are sincere and teach the way of God in accordance with truth and show deference to no one. For you do not regard people with partiality. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? If Jesus answers that taxes, a tool of the empire to subjugate the Jews and oppress the poor, are lawful, then he offends and alienates the Pharisees and the Jews. However, if Jesus answers that the taxes are unjust or unlawful, he risks having the Herodians, who are loyalists to Rome, carry back his message of sedition to the powers that be. After having the crowd produce a denarius and asking them whose face is on the coin, Jesus says, Give therefore to the emperor the things that are the emperor's, and to God the things that are God's. The crowd is looking for an answer about how we should relate to the empire. Some have used this gospel to justify the separation of our political lives from our religious lives. Others have used it to argue that good Christians fulfill their obligations to the state. For centuries, Christians and political leaders both have cited this passage to define how Christians should relate to their government. But they may have missed the point. Jesus' answer has little to do with our relationship to the empire and everything to do with our relationship to God. What if we truly gave to God what is God's? A few weeks ago, as we were examining the parable of the workers in the vineyard, we discussed a generous God of abundance, a God who is the true owner of all. He has entrusted us with his bounty. He has entrusted us with the world he created and everything in it. He has entrusted us with certain gifts and talents. He has entrusted us with the gift of children and the gift of family and friends in our lives. God is the creator and owner of all. We are merely stewards, managers, overseers of this wealth. So when we talk about giving to God what is God's, we are talking about giving God everything. Who we are, what we have, all of our lives. This is what we truly owe God when our accounts are tallied. When I was in law school, I became actively involved at Ruge Hall, the college ministry of the Episcopal Church at Florida State. The church became a second home for me. They fed me. They allowed me a quiet place to study. They helped me find time to worship. And they fed me. Did I mention that they fed me? <laughs> My first Easter at Ruge Hall, I was shocked to see a fully roasted lamb 
for Easter dinner. I expressed my surprise to the chaplain, who was quick to tell me, that's a lamb from Justin's flock. Every year he sells some of his flock of lambs in time for Easter. And every year we get one lamb out of the ten he sells. I was blown away. First off, being a girl from the suburbs of Jacksonville, I never knew anyone who raised livestock. But I knew Justin. He was a guy from Mayo, Florida, who was at school on scholarship. He didn't have a lot of money, and he worked part-time at the grocery store to make ends meet. His livestock was what was getting him through school. And he needed every penny. But he gave that lamb every year. Happy to feed his church a fancy Easter dinner. From that time on, I watched the offering plate every Sunday. Every student at that college ministry put something in the plate every Sunday. Now, I knew these kids. Some of them came from wealthy backgrounds, but most of them were like me, working part-time to try and keep our head above our student loan debt. And yet every week, there was money in that plate. Every week, there was a Sunday dinner and a Wednesday dinner that the money from the students helped support, open to anyone who walked in the door. And that isn't where their giving ended. Everything I know about stewardship, I learned from these college kids. In the church I grew up in, I only heard the word stewardship used when talking about money. And it normally only got talked about around the time of the annual pledge drive. But through these college kids, I learned to think of stewardship in a completely different way. I watched these kids become stewards of creation by having campus cleanup days and by ensuring we had access to recycling. I watched these kids become stewards of their time and their gifts by using them to work at the church or do service in the community. I watched these kids become stewards of their physical bodies by dieting and exercising, especially after gaining those freshmen 15. And I watched them become stewards of their money as they worked to try to avoid or to get out of debt. And they gave faithfully, most of them a full 10% of their income for the care of our parishioners and the community around us. And as they became true stewards of all God gave them, I watched their relationship with God change. I watched their lives be transformed. And I saw them become true disciples of Christ. Many of these kids have only grown to be better stewards of their time, talent, and treasure. Some of them have dedicated their life to the church as priests, youth ministers, or organists. Some of them are on vestries or their Sunday school teachers. Some of them have gone on to become mothers or fathers, nurses, firefighters, and farmers. They've grown to use everything God has given them for the spreading of God's kingdom. They are giving, giving to God what is God's. But some did get caught up in the empire. It is easy to get caught up in the scarcity of possessions, the scarcity of our time, the scarcity of compassion. We start feeling that we must come out of the gate aggressively in this mortal world. We'll have time to be good stewards once we retire, or once we pay down our debt, or once we pay our taxes. We feel as though God will understand 
that we had to deal with what was in front of our face first. We had to cover the necessities in our life. We had to dedicate ourselves to our nine to five in order to keep the house payment, the car payment, the boat payment made. We had to take our kids to soccer games on Sunday mornings because how else were they going to get that college scholarship? We can get caught up in giving out of our leftovers rather than giving out of our first fruits. And before too long, we have given our hearts away to the empire, to this world, and we have nothing left to give to God. But when you look in the mirror, whose image do you see? Is it the emperor's? Is it a dead president? Is it your boss? No. When every single one of us looks into the mirror, we see the image of God. In the beginning, God said, Let us make humankind in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. In the same sentence, God created you in his image and gave you everything in creation. This is the origin of you and your relationship to the Almighty, the only king you serve. Jesus tells us we cannot serve two masters, for we will love the one and hate the other. We cannot serve God and the empire. And whatever we render to the empire... We can never forget to whom we belong. You are God's. You are made in his image, and he has given you all of creation. The earth, the animals, time, your gifts, your physical body, and your wealth for use here on earth. As we say in the Right One liturgy, all things come of thee, O Lord. So use them rightly. Give them all to God. Give him your heart, your mind, your body, your spirit, your time, and your wealth. Dedicate it all to him and watch your life be transformed. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. Amen.